Welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. My name is Katherine Canty. I am the host and an executive coach. I work with teams, individuals, and leaders to help create measured leadership change. We do that using practical applications, and our clients are creating 100% measured results as seen by those around them. Not necessarily what I think or what they think, but what the other people are seeing. And they are being recognized for the hard work that they're doing. If you're interested in learning more about some of the work that we're doing, you can learn more at KatherineCanty.com. I would love for you to subscribe to this show, to Business Vitality. This is my way to continue to pay it forward and share business best practices. Stay tuned and listen to the interview. Thanks for being here. Ali Lingwood Craddock, you are the CEO of Runway, found on the web at runway.com. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you, Catherine, for having me. Tell me about your business. I'm very curious to learn more about this. No, well, great. So, so Runway uh, as a business has been around for five or six years. I think what we specialize in, and are probably a real challenge or disruptor too, is, is the way that companies traditionally listen to their employees. Um, and we work with organizations who want to break through that, those kind of methods, which isn't giving visibility to senior leaders of what's really going on, um, to kind of fill the gaps of understanding, help them make better decisions and help them really impact and prioritize what's really, what are the real problems in their business and what's affecting their, their employees um, so they can make, move things along faster um, and, and retain people, solve problems quicker, um, get people bought into their vision and their strategy. All of those things, but yeah, kind of that's that's what runway is. I, I appreciate all of that. I enjoyed our dialogue beforehand before we hit record. Do you mind before we even get into it? Let's let's look at this quote that we see on the back of the wall. I think the quote that you have yeah, is this one um, here. Yes, I have not failed. I just found ten thousand ways that won't work by Thomas Edison. No, it's a great. Yeah. So in all of the meetings here, we've got different quotes, but this, as I was saying, this is probably my favorite one. I think, I think it probably sums up the situation of just start. I think you were saying something similar beforehand as well. Don't overthink a decision, just start. You're not going to get it right the first time. Don't ask for approval, seek permission for it going wrong. So um, that's what I, that's the way I try and work. I don't get it right every day, but um, that's the, the goal is to try things quickly and learn from them quickly. Um, and I think that's part of working in a smaller business as well, that you have to do that. Or you have the ability to be a bit more agile and think like that versus larger organizations. Tell me, okay, so we talked, you before we hit record, we talked about decision-making and, and that's kind of what we're talking about right now is, is decision-making. And I'm working with a group of leaders and I can't quite figure it out. It, it, I think it is decision-making. It is the ability to, for them to get comfortable with with making these decisions. And they're not even hard decisions. It's just like analysis paralysis. And I saw that when I worked in a financial institution for 20 years, people would just get stuck in some kind of loop. And I'm like, why are we not making a decision around this? And I, I want to like dissect it and break it down. And a lot of what the work is that you're doing is, is being able to have that real dialogue to create real action and, and create yeah. real change. So if you don't mind, let's, let's talk about decision-making and like what is holding people back and can we boil it down to a few things? I'm curious for your thoughts. Um, yeah, I think so. I, th I think one is, um, and I guess kind of what some of what I do on a daily basis is around helping people understand 
the, the real problems, the real things that need kind of action in their organization. And that can be really small. It is not necessarily big. Um, I think there's, that's one dimension I would kind of talk about. I think another dimension is, is a probably as organizations get bigger, there is an increasing fear of being an individual who makes a decision. So therefore, it becomes um, stakeholder decision-making or committee decision-making. And that leads to that slowing down of that cycle of decision-making. Um, I think that's another point. Um, and probably a third point, I, you referenced uh, financial institutions there, is where there is a regulated industry. I think that definitely drives... Um, whether it be um, paralysis of overanalysis or just fear of making a decision in a regulated space, I would say is the third thing I see is those would be the three dimensions, whether you want to dig into any of them, but those would be the three dimensions I would see. So if I recap this right, we've, we've got kind of those smaller decisions that the people mm. need to, to get comfortable, I guess, to build momentum potentially. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah. all leaders ultimately in, a, in any company are responsible for changing something probably two or three things, right? If you ask any senior person, and I can guarantee if you ask any senior person as well, um, there is one change initiative or transformation initiative that they're leading that isn't going very well and they don't know why. Um, I can guarantee that. Um, mm -hmm. We all have that. And that's probably because they don't know why. And they don't know why because they don't know the reality of the day-to-day -day of their employees. Um, and therefore the people who could tell them what to do and the right decision to make is not, is not me. It's, it's the people out there on the front line. Um, and, and that is, is a kind of the most powerful decision-making is to delegate it, um, is to make it demo democratize it. Right. And say, we've got this problem. What would you do? Give me an idea. Um, I think the, the, the ability of the way to surface that, um, is really challenging because people won't raise their hand in most organizations. They're, there's a, they're scared of doing that. Um, you know, there's a, because they're not very engaged, because they don't feel they'll be heard, um, because they don't have a mechanism to potentially, because they don't think when they have raised things before anything's changed. Um, so kind of part of what Runway has, helps clients do is get to the point of giving someone a means where they can raise those ideas where they do feel heard because they see things change off the back of it. And therefore the whole organization becomes more aligned, more agile, faster moving. The change initiatives are more successful for senior people. Um, and part of Runway is people can raise things, ideas and questions and issues anonymously if they want to. And we, what's really interesting is we see where people raise an issue um, versus when they raise an idea, they're two times more likely to raise an idea anonymously than raise an issue. Isn't that interesting? That sounds like so, it should be the other way around, um, but it's they're twice as likely to be anonymous when they raise an issue. Sorry, raise an idea than when raise an issue. With an idea, not an issue. Yeah, which is kind of your probably most people would assume it was the other way around. Um, right. But but what we see is that people are the fear of when you raise an idea and someone shoots you down, or you might or you're worried someone might kind of um, say it's a stupid idea. Um, mm -hmm. And we all say things like, no idea is stupid, right? But that's mm -hmm. a classic management thing. Um, but that's what we see in our own data is it's really interesting. Surprise me, but it's true. And it's we see that across multiple different companies. Okay, I'm curious. I'm going to pause for a minute because I was going to go through those three things that you had mentioned at first. But mm -hmm. when you talk about delegating and, um, and, and delegating to the front line, you have a lot of resources on your website as far one of them is a, is a blog. And I think 
or an article that said direct line, how to communicate, I guess, the the to the front line, direct communication to the yeah. front line. And I've seen it over and over again. If we want answers, we go to the front line. That's where the customer is. That's where like the voice of everything is. Those are the people who are implementing. Do you mind talking about that and what you've seen with Runway with that? Because it sounds like you're able to bridge these communications. Yeah, so and that's yeah, that's exactly it. So Runway is is about giving a platform, a technology platform for people on the front line, whether it be through their own mobile device. They can often do it off shift. Um, they they can do it through the you know whether it be their phone, their own device, whatever it may be. But they can raise ideas, raise issues, as I talked about. Um, and then part of what Runway does is help prioritize what those issues are, so we can tell a leader what you should be worrying about, who's impacted by and why, and therefore what you should do about it and the impact that then has. And that part of what we also say is it's not about big changes. It's not about big six-month initiatives. Mm -hmm. It could be really small. It could be incredibly small, but small changes make a big impact. And in mm -hmm. businesses that have really distributed workforces, um, they are, there's two dimensions, right? It could be something really small about working conditions or or the way people work or a really small change to the process that has a fundamental change in the way that the, the experience on a day-to-day -day basis. But also, it could be an idea comes from one person that you would never otherwise hear from. Um, you would have no connection to. If you're senior in a big distributed company, you're, you're probably in an office somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. You never cross paths with any of these people who are out in the field. And to your point, they are probably the face of your company to your customers. Um, and so they are everything, whether it be their engagement, their experience, their efficiency, their productivity is everything to your company. Um, and most of these companies don't have a mechanism for those people to be heard. And they have all the ideas and, and they have all the, the, the and that point of de decision making, right? They're the ones that can tell you how to make things better. Um, all right. You said a word that intrigues me. It was prioritization. And, you know, when you have these global organizations that have lots of people and, and we don't always talk all the time and and we kind of joke that sometimes the senior leaders and the frontline people, they they don't always have connection. And I think it's kind of funny, but I mean, it's so true. Um, priorities change. And how do you how do you communicate the prioritization? Because I have seen working with maybe entry level or frontline folks they're just adding, adding, adding stuff to their plate and they mm. don't know how to prioritize. And so what are your thoughts around prioritization and, and how do we as business owners and, and executives around the world, how do we communicate the, the shift of the prioritization? Because if you're going to remain in business, your priorities are going to change based off of you know the conditions that are going on. So I'd love to hear your thoughts around prioritization. So I think like, something you said there was around as kind of business leaders and owners, how do we how do we communicate a change in the priority? And I yeah. think what's really important is why. It's less about what the priority is, but why well, why the change and why the new priority, I guess is a better way of putting it. And people need to really understand that and need to buy into that. And I think there are there are stats out there from people like uh, kind of McKinsey where if if employees are bought into the change, which effectively is a change in priority, um, then it's 30% more likely to stick, I think, is the stat, something like that, which doesn't sound very dramatic, but, but is, is, a, is a massive increment on if they don't buy into that. Um, I think that's huge. But I think that's all about what leadership is, right? It's about if, if you can get people on board with what you're trying to do, um, mm -hmm. 
and be really transparent and honest and, and, and authentic in the way you communicate that, then it is more likely to um, get buy-in. And ultimately, if they buy in, they'll go with you. They'll go with you on that journey and they'll help you make it work. If they don't buy in, it's just you're going to get pockets of resistance all over the place in your company. And there's not a lot you can do about that. Um, I'm curious, does Rungway, would they be able to look or would would your company help provide a solution that could look at kind of the day-to-day tasks that maybe the front line's doing? Because I've, and maybe I'm stereotyping, but they just continue to add and add and add based off of whatever's being told to them. Do you have that capability of being able to kind of see they have, like one individual has work for 80 hours a week just because they don't know any different, just to say that this doesn't need to happen anymore. Are you are you kind of having some insights into that to help them shift off what is no longer needed? So, so I guess what Runway does is kind of give the voice a feedback mechanism for mm-hmm. um, for that those kind of people on the front line. So it is less mm-hmm. about kind of capturing data on what they're working, but they would be able to flag up that that's going on, and then as a, but but because you know in, in large organizations of thousands of people if if the leaders of that company knew every individual's problems but it was one on one they'd be overwhelmed mm-hmm. by that so what we do in terms of that i guess that prioritization from a leader perspective is talk about the scale of the issue for different groups so we can say there are two things you need to worry about right now there are some things that are smaller but are less of a priority but there are two big things that are emerging um, and deal with them now before they become a bomb you know while they're a spark yeah. deal with them before they explode on you um, and that's the nature of runways always on people are always right kind of asking questions, raising issues. So there is that real-time nature to it, which means leaders can act on those situations while they're emerging before they become a problem. So there is that mechanism. You'd be able to hear that there is a problem going on in maybe a division or a geography or a department or a certain group of people, maybe new starters. And Mm -hmm. you'd be able to see there's that something going on there and dig into why, because you're hearing from them in their own words. And that's where a part of our team then help clients in terms of picking up what those priorities are and what they should do about it and helping them communicate out on that. I love the fact you keep bringing back in the why. I keep hearing the why Mm. because I've seen organizations that have really, it's so simple, it's so practical, just explain why it is that we're doing what we're doing and it creates incredible buy-in and I feel like it reduces the fear. And one of the, the earlier things that you had mentioned to me was just that there's that increased fear of decision making and then decision-making shifts from, you know, just maybe that sole person to maybe stakeholders and committees. Do you mind talking more in depth of the fear of decision-making as we grow within an organization, as we get promoted within an organization, just that fear. And like, is it some childhood fear that's like stemming up from all of us or where is this stuff coming from? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I think I think part of it can be sometimes that I say this a lot when I work with with sales teams. I work, you know, I work with a business that has a sales team. And and what often people forget is when you're talking to someone who could be a buyer of your solution, um, that their decision to buy your product or not, or your offering, irrelevant of what it is, can define their career at that company. Because if it goes well, it could lead to them getting promoted. If it doesn't go very well, it's not going to leave them in a great place. And so those kind of things can add to that fear of, I've got to make the right decision. Um, and often, you know, I think there was, I, I listened to a, a podcast recently, which talks about, it was talking about from a sales perspective, and it talks about at the minute in the current economic climate, um, companies aren't, aren't 
seeing um, prospects say to them no, they're losing deals because companies aren't making any decision, to your point. It's at the minute, it's, I think maybe the economic climate is adding to that. There is the fear on pressure on budgets, therefore, and fear maybe kind of cost cutting and redundancies happening in companies. People are very aware of the scrutiny. So people are rather than even making the wrong decision, they're making no decision because they think that's safe. And that's probably a subconscious thing where, you know, probably everyone is feeling that at times of, I'll just make sure I don't do the wrong thing, which actually means I won't do anything. Um, and I, I think in bigger companies, I'm definitely seeing a bit of that at the moment, of that fear of what might be happening in there to themselves and where they're at risk. And how do you minimize that? You, you don't put yourself above the parapet, if you like. Okay, so I'm going to chase this rabbit because I love talking about this stuff. You talked about pe people having that fear to make a commitment to buy something. And when you're when you're doing B2B sales, what I've learned um, over the years is we have to educate these decision makers within the business. And the average decision making size, I think, went from five to seven. And I don't know where it is, but now it's like almost, you know, 10 people have to agree on something. And it's darn near impossible to get 10 people to even show up to a meeting on time. And so as the salespeople are looking at this. They're having to navigate some pretty rocky waters to figure out who are these 10 people. And I know when I was in corporate, like if I didn't talk to procurement and to legal, two different departments, and then my own team and, and everybody else, like one of these variables could shut me down to be able to make a decision. And so when you talk about that, that committee making decision and that fear of, of working with that committee, it just hits home and, I don't think it's getting any better. Like the no, committees no, and decision making, it's just, it's getting out of control. And ultimately, therefore, that leads to, you know, why did kind of, and that happens more in larger organizations. And therefore, why do larger organizations probably not innovate as much and not as agile because exactly of that dynamic? Um, whereas you see smaller organizations where probably people are a bit more empowered. Maybe it's just there's literally less people that can be involved. Maybe it's a literal thing. Um, they're able to make decisions faster. Um, and and probably there's more pressure for you to be more agile and innovative, so you take more risk. Uh, and some people don't have that risk appetite. Um, so that, that I think those are the kind of dynamics I see, but I agree with you, it's getting worse, definitely. So you're able, with, with Runway, you're able to get folks to be able to communicate throughout the organization and to be able to see what these sparks are before they yeah. explode what is like a good size business that 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 applies to i think what we where we work really well as an organization is where there is that disconnect at scale so kind of often we work we work with organizations that have that distributed workforce from maybe two thousand people up to our Largest is kind of 70, 80,000 people. So very, very large organizations in some, in some parts, very disparate, very different dynamics. That, that, um, um, so, it, but yeah, it is really at large enterprise organizations ultimately who we work really well with. Okay. And you said, what was the number between what the leader knows at the, so at the, the yeah, so the leader knows uh, 4% of issues within their business. And that, that theory is, is, is 35 years old. I think when I talk to people now, they think it's 10 to 20%, but that still shows that they're making decisions in a vacuum of 80 to 90% of the, the actual problems in their business. Um, and so no wonder they'll get the decision wrong, um, ultimately. Um, whereas that's where you need to involve the people who know. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard place to be. All right, so 
I'm curious because part of, you know, remaining vital in business is understanding the employee engagement. And before this, you had shared that, you know, you may have some ideas on how to actually measure. And I, as a former banker, I like measurement. I like numbers. Like, how do you measure that engagement? Is that something that, that you help provide or what are your thoughts around that? We, I mean, part of what Runway can do is that kind of employee engagement measurement. I think, we, we view that as part of that kind of traditional employee listening, and we're quite disruptive to that. I think we're believers that um, that kind of single score measurement of employee engagement is often just designed to show to a board. And that's me being really challenging to that. Um, you know, we have a, our score is 70, the benchmark is 80 for our industry, so we're doing okay, but it was 60 last year and we're improving. Whereas um, what happens in those type of dynamics is often that there are gaps in understanding because they happen once a year. So you don't know what's going on the rest of the year. Um, and also the employees often feel that nothing changes as a result of it um, mm. because there isn't that, that they're big studies. They take a long time to get the results to the exec teams. By the time that's happened, it might be three months later and the world has moved on and there's different things going on in the business. Um, so we do, you know, we can do those things. But what we say to all of our clients who we do that with is you should always have the real time, always on element of runway as well, because the combination of the two gives you that real sense of, yes, in a moment in time, we can, we can, you can show, you know, the kind of score of how things are going, but also you can act quickly on the feedback you're receiving. Um, rather than people feeling like, oh, nothing ever happens. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother filling it in um, or I'm not going to put what's, what's really on my mind in there. And, or, or some groups feel that don't feel, don't feel safe to do that. So don't say mm -hmm. the honest truth. Uh, and that is what the kind of feedback we hear as well. So I would say those things are part of the uh, kind of part of a set of things you should do, but they don't give you the ability to really act on what what are the burning priority issues for your for your employees now um, that's what i would say um, and we've got proof of that do you have um a, a cadence that seems to prove to be helpful with employee engagement is that once a month once a quarter i back in the day it was once a year and i was like y'all aren't going to make anything happen doing this once a year things change too much but well, what are your thoughts yeah. I would say, I mean, obviously I would say because Runway is is literally on 24-7, it is to have that kind of dialogue happening all the time. Um, and that kind that could feel overwhelming to a senior leader because it might feel like I have to engage in it all the time. Our job is you spend 10, 15 minutes a week on it. We tell you the priority areas you should do something about. That's our job. Um, mm -hmm. We understand your business. We work with you. We'll flag the things you should act on. Um, and that gives you, a, we track therefore sentiment over time and we can start to plot on there what are the things that are impacting on it. So we give you that sense of feeling and sentiment in the organization. But the really key thing is your employees see you transparently at scale through the tool, acting and changing things off the back of what they're, they're feeding back. You know, that point, um, which is what I says on our website, right? There is dialogue, which is two way. Um, mm -hmm. there, and people take action off the back of it and things actually change. Um, whereas survey, kind of engagement surveys are not dialogue. They're one way. Um, mm -hmm. And by definition, that feels like a black hole that you send your, your feedback into and often nothing happens. Um, so that's, that's what I would say the difference is. And having been a leader of businesses and done those kind of engagement surveys, I, I have probably been guilty in the past if you do them and you don't really change anything because by the time you get to it, it's, oh, there's another thing on your agenda that's more important um, or you think is more important. Um, and actually what you should be doing is hearing the problem now and doing something about it and just fixing it. 
Very true, especially with how fast the world is moving mm. and we just need to be responsive and make yeah. decisions and continue to drive change. Yeah. Um, because if, if we don't do that, somebody else is just going to leapfrog, you know, over us. And I think communication is a vital skill yeah. that we all just need to continue to work on and, and refine. And, you know, speaking of communication, how do you connect that team and business strategy that is going on again, I, I keep referring, you know, to that kind of executive level and then the frontline level, and you've got your teams and your business strategy. Um, do you have any effective communication ideas that you've seen tried and true over and over again? I think, I think one, one point in there is to probably boil it down to maybe two or three key messages. Um, if, you've, if you've ever read the book, The Pyramid Principle, which is about kind of communicating actually in presentations, but, but it's quite a, good, quite a good basis for what's your one key point? What are the three things that underpin it? Um, don't overcomplicate it um, because people won't remember it. But also then repeat it in everything you say. So all of your messaging is, is anchoring back to those one, two, three things um, because you may know it. And you think you communicate it once and therefore people will listen. People won't have heard it, won't listen, will we'll, we'll, we'll forget most of it, if not all of it. May not have even been there when you communicated it. So I think it's doing in multiple different channels, um, play to different you know, preferences for, for, for media as well, whether it be audio, written or video. Um, it's just repetition, I would say, is key. Simplicity and repetition. I love practical applications. It's, it's what sticks. Ali, if people want to learn more about you and the, and the work that you're doing, where is the best way for them to connect with you? As you said at the start, I would say go to our website, runway.com, or look me up on LinkedIn and connect to me and send me a message. I'll be happy to talk more about anything I've said today or more about what Runway does. Um, so either of those two. Fantastic. All right. Ali Lingwood Craddock, you are the CEO of Runway, found on the web at runway.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you like it, please subscribe, share this episode or this show with other people around you. The greatest form of a compliment is a referral. I really appreciate this. And if you think that you want to learn more about some of the work we're doing, I encourage you to reach out to katherinecanty.com. You can schedule a call or just continue to read articles and information that we post out there. Thank you so much for being here.